Hello, welcome to my podcast. In this season or series, I want to talk about Chinese immigration to the United States. I call this particular series Paper Sun, Chinese American Citizen. And this is episode one. This podcast is about American and Chinese history. More specifically, I will focus on the Chinese experience coming to the United States. I will discuss their unique experience and treatment in coming to America and living in America in the earlier years of the United States. I want to put some context to those experiences and hopefully better understand those events. I also want us, those of you that are listening to this, to think about two important questions. One, who should be an American? And relatedly, what is an American? I will cover early American naturalization and immigration policy, history, and jurisprudence as it affected the Chinese coming to and living in America. In preparing for this podcast series, I was initially worried that there was not enough material necessary to make this podcast and numerous episodes. My worries, however, abated as I got more and more into the material. In fact, I have left a lot of specifics out of this series, as I would rather get through the bigger issues and the facts to make my purpose clear. Of course, I love history. And political history has always been an interest of mine. We can learn from history. First, a little background. Some context. Chinese were present in the Americas as early as the 16th century. They were in the Americas because of Spanish conquest. This podcast, however, will focus on more recent history. From the middle of the 17th century, China was ruled by Manchurian emperors. 
By the beginning of the 20th century, the Manchurian Qing dynasty was on the verge of collapse. The regime was monolithic and stultifying. Most Chinese felt hopelessly trapped and were desperate for another life and better opportunities. America looked and portrayed herself as new, bountiful, rich, and full of opportunities. The Chinese saw America as a gleaming light and hope. Westerners, on the other hand, viewed China as mysterious, a faraway ancient culture and society speaking a strange language. For a good part of the 19th century, Manifest Destiny and American imperialism were the expressions and beliefs of most Americans. However, that expression generally excluded non-whites. Manifest Destiny was intended, whether it was stated or not, as only for white Americans. With that general background, we begin with the Chinese beginning to immigrate to the United States. They were willing, as most other races and ethnicities were, also to risk and sacrifice a lot in order to come to America. They came for a better life for themselves, and in some cases, their families in China as well. They were willing to come by any means possible, legal or not legal. Eventually, their arrivals in significant numbers brought out the worst cases of violence and racism. The violence against Chinese occurred in many different places, from Los Angeles to Seattle to Wyoming. Racism and fear marshaled local governments and states into laws meant to repel the Chinese and, in some instances, to remove them. When those efforts proved insufficient, the United States government got involved. When the federal government's initial efforts were ineffective, she moved to outright excluding Chinese from entering America, and then to deporting those already in America. At the local level, anti-Chinese advocates sought to prevent the Chinese from entering towns and spaces and deny Chinese from occupations deemed off-limits to them. At the national level, anti-Chinese advocates fought to keep the Chinese from entering the United States in some cases using imprisonment and deportation and to deny the Chinese a chance to ever become American citizens. Further complicating this time, there were many Americans that wanted Chinese immigrants. The Chinese were willing to work hard for low wages and they could be exploited for profit. There was a dichotomy in America in those early years of Chinese immigration. The split was, was between the American pro-Chinese imperial expansionists that wanted cheap Chinese labor and a China open to American markets and businesses. 
the other group, the anti-Chinese advocates, they saw the Chinese as a threat to American jobs. Both of, both of these groups influenced the early years of Chinese immigration to America. The United States in those early years would also struggle with her own powers and limits to those powers over immigration issues. To say the least, America has a controversial history with immigration. In 2011 and in 2012, Senate Resolution 201 and House Resolution 683, respectively, passed resolutions officially apologizing and regretting the laws that were passed and the actions that were taken against the Chinese in America. Both measures passed both houses unanimously. The measures are remarkable in one sense. They laid out in detail specific instances, even the violent episodes that transpired against the Chinese in America. Both measures specifically reference and acknowledge the contributions by the Chinese in America. Go and read them. They're easy to find and not long. America's founding fathers in the United States Constitution in the United States Constitution ordained and established a nation, justice, and secured the blessings of liberty. The only reference to immigration or naturalization in the U.S. Constitution is found in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 4. That provision grants Congress the power to, quote, establish a uniform rule of naturalization, end of quote. As for immigration, specifically, nothing is mentioned. It was basically immigration for all, no limits and no restrictions. However, it is important to understand that at that early time of the United States, she was more interested in attracting desirable immigrants than distracting undesirable ones. In fact, up to the end of the first quarter of the 19th century, Congress was largely content to leave immigration matters to the individual states. Congress's first enactment toward naturalization was in the year 1790. The Naturalization Act of 1790 granted to free white men the ability to become a U.S. citizen after two years of residence in America and if they could prove they were a person of good moral character. Notice, the act did not exclude anyone, but it excluded all non-whites by simply omitting them from the act. Five years later, Congress passed the Naturalization Act of 1795. The act strengthened the residency requirements to five years. In 1798, the residency requirements were again lengthened to 14 years. It was, the, it was the Notorious Alien and Sedition Act of 1798 that Congress set 
the first example of repressive immigration legislation signed by President John Adams, who was actually four laws in one. I just spoke about the first, extending the residency requirements. The second law, called the Aliens Friends Act, empowered the president to deport any alien deemed dangerous to the peace and security of the United States. The third law, named the Aliens Enemies Act, authorized the president to apprehend and deport any alien if their home country was at war with the United States. The last piece of the legislation, and the one most familiar to history buffs, had nothing to do with immigration or naturalization, so I won't mention any more about it. The first case that the U.S. Supreme Court heard touching on naturalization was decided in 1817. In Chirac versus Lessee of Chirac, the legal citation is 15 U.S. 259, the court ruled in favor of a French citizen because of treaty provisions between the United States and France. The decision, however, is pertinent for our purposes because of what the author of the court's opinion, Chief Justice John Marshall, stated in dicta or in passing. He wrote, that Congress had exclusive power over naturalization. The first major law touching on immigration was the Steerage Act of 1819. That law required all vessels reaching America to provide to custom officials a manifest of the passengers. The law also limited the number of passengers on arriving and deporting ships. Included were minimum standards for vessels in providing potable water and bread. The manifest had to include each passenger's age, sex, occupation, and country of origin, along with the names of those passengers that had died in the journey. Penalties for violations were also established. The law was passed by Congress to address the, de the deplorable conditions passengers in steerage had to endure. From the Steerage Act, we know that in the year 1820, a little over 8,000 aliens entered the United States, mostly from Ireland. In fact, for the next 20 years, it was the Irish that accounted for almost one half of the immigrants entering America. In 1829, over 22,000 immigrants arrived in the United States, mostly from the British Isles. Between 1831 to 1840, almost 600,000 immigrated to America, mostly from Europe. I feel it is important we understand the early legal framework toward naturalization and immigration that was taken by the United States. Remember, the Constitution is silent on matters of immigration. It does, it does address naturalization in, as I've stated, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 4. And within two years after the Constitution's adopted, adoption, Congress passed the first Naturalization Act of 1790. It was subsequently amended in the next decade. In 
The act established the requirements for free white men of good moral character to become United States citizens. Congress chose to leave most immigration matters to the individual states. At that time in American history, the country needed people and laborers. The first attempt by Congress to address directly immigration was the notorious Alien and Sedition Act of 1798. Congress next acted more directly over immigration with the 1819 Steerage Act. These were the early legal frameworks that led to where we are today. This seems like a good point to segue into the discussion about Chinese immigration to America, focusing on the Chinese side. Up to the first third of the 19th century, the Qing emperors restricted trade to only one seaport in China. It was the port at Guangzhou in southeast China. It was through that seaport, Western contact, ideas, and influences came to China. The Chinese began to hear about the United States and were curious to know more. Also, at the end of the American Revolution, American merchants quickly repurposed sea vessels to enable them to make the long journey to China. The merchants hoped to sell to the Chinese American-made products in exchange for Chinese teas, silks, and porcelains. The earliest recorded Chinese immigrants into America came into the United States from, ironically, the East Coast of the United States. Between 1819 and 1825, five Chinese youths came to America to study at a school in Cornwall, Connecticut. This was arranged by American missionaries. Their first recorded Chinese female came to America via New York City in 1834 as part of a cultural exhibition. Her name was Afong Moy, just 16 years old. Paying spectators watched her eat with chopsticks, gawked at her bound, tiny feet. It was almost as if she was some sort of zoological display. Let us not forget the Chang and Eng Siamese twins from a Chinese father that P.T. Barnum showed some 20,000 spectators in only six days. Records further disclose that in February, in the year 1848, a ship with the name American Eagle arrived in San Francisco Bay from Canton, China. Two Chinese men and one Chinese woman disembarked from the American Eagle. These three may have been the first Chinese to arrive in San Francisco. The arrival just a month before gold was discovered in California. These were all the beginning of America's exposure to the Chinese. 
Records show that from 1841 to 1850, a little over 1.7 million immigrants came to America, mostly from Ireland. By 1850, about 10% of the United States population were immigrants. During the same time, 1841 to 1850, only a few Chinese arrived to the United States. In the 1850s, the number of Chinese entering the United States exploded. And it would continue to grow for the next couple of decades. The immigration flow had begun, and I will talk more about that a lot more. Thank you for listening.